Hi, everyone. I'm Greg Lambert, and this is the In Seclusion podcast miniseries. Today's guest manages the largest legal technology association in the world and is helping the members adjust to the new work-at-home environment by giving them a place to connect and share their ideas as well as their problems. Hey, Joy. Thanks for joining me this morning. Sure. Joy Heath-Rush is the CEO of the International Legal Technology Association, or ILTA. Looking back, I I know we're already into the second week of April. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that this was going to be a major disruption for your work environment? I think right at the end of February. You know, what, what made it very, I guess, real for us is our board of directors meets in person once per quarter. And we had our Q1 meeting was the first weekend in March. And one of our board members wasn't permitted to come and had to connect virtually because his firm had put in a no travel restriction that week. And so we kind of scrambled and put a survey out to find out who else was in that situation. But just flying that that week was also strange. Yeah. It was people with masks, people with gloves. Uh, Now, I will say my flight was very full. That was Chicago to Newark, and it was absolutely full. But we had people coming from Boston that were on a a flight that was maybe a third full. Hmm. You could see that people were really taking this seriously, uh, beginning to take it seriously, and that it had the potential to be incredibly disruptive. So when did you make a determination on what you were going to do with the staff there at, at ILTA? Yeah, for us, it was actually a little easy because we're mostly remote anyway. Mm-hmm. Three quarters of us don't work in Chicago, which is where our headquarters is. Right. Even those of us in greater Chicago, like me, we only would go in the office once a week for all of us. That was right. our one day in the office. We have kind of a hoteling situation. So it actually wasn't much of an adjustment for my team. We had to make some arrangements around the mail. That was probably the biggest thing, mm-hmm. uh, getting the physical mail because people were sending in their dues checks and things like that and you no know, bills and we need to be able to get those. So it actually, that part has not been terribly disruptive for my team. That's it's kind of work the way they usually work. Right. I think it's that sense that they can't be together if they want to, which is hard. Did you have any stumbling blocks at all in, in moving? Oh, no, I don't think we did. Not even a little bit, even though we had just made this move from G Suite to, to O365. So we made a move to a, a technology move at the same time we were making a quote unquote physical move. Right. So I think actually the bigger adjustment for us was trying to make sure that our volunteers were well taken care of. Yeah. So some volunteer meetings got moved, rescheduled, things like that, because people were in this, oh, I have to get everybody working from home mode. And then for us, not the disruption physically, but we really had to turn our programming on its head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that was probably the bigger thing. It's not for us. It wasn't where people were working. It was what they're working on. I think for a lot of our member organizations, it was the the issues where, you know, I'm doing essentially the same work, but I'm doing it in a different place. For us, our work changed. I think that was the bigger, bigger impact. What kind of stress or uh, questions or requests are you getting from members to help them adjust to this? Yeah, there's been a lot of requests for what resources do you have about working remotely? What resources do you have about Zoom or Teams? Uh, What guidance can you give about spinning up a direct messaging application when we've never had one before and all of a sudden we do? And then what does it mean to spin it up? Are we taking care of security? Are we taking care of information Mm -hmm. governance? So a lot of it has been around 
the changing tool set Mm -hmm. as much as it has been the changing work environment. And then it's really been interesting to watch the evolution. I call them week one questions, week two questions, week three questions. Right. So week one questions were a lot about getting home offices equipped. So if we look back at our e-group posts, if we look at the COVID-19 question of the day, which ULTA has been doing, that first week was about what does a home office look like? What equipment are you providing people? Are you having any trouble getting equipment? Are you procuring equipment for people? And then what about connectivity? You know, in some cases, people didn't have it. Are you providing MiFi's? What are you doing to, to help people be productive? What about all these folks that have never, ever done their work remotely? Maybe a reception uh, person or someone in the mailroom or the copy center that have duties, but they've never had to do those duties remotely. So it's technology and what that looks like. Those were the week one questions. Then we saw what was clearly the week two questions. So oh, well, guess what? We didn't have this immigration application that only four people in the firm use, you know, set up for remote access. So how do we do that? Or uh, one of the biggest week two questions, or actually two of them, were about e-notaries and the whole handling of wet signatures, and uh, which is really differs from state to state in the United States and also from country to country throughout the rest of the world. There's not a one-size-fits-all. How are you dealing with scanning? There were a lot of organizations that in the past few years have moved to some kind of, you know, we scan every piece of incoming mail. And so are you getting rid of that policy? How are you doing it? So those are kind of the week two questions. (laughs) So the week three questions we're seeing is, okay, I've deployed a bunch of tools really fast. Now, what am I supposed to be using for what? When do (laughs) I use video conferencing? And when do I use direct messaging? And when do I scan? And when do I not? And what? So it's really the evolution to the sophistication of the work from home environment. It's very interesting. Now, I've noticed that you have been using your listserv to mm-hmm. throw out questions and kind of build build the community. Mm-hmm. How well is the membership responding to that? Oh, it's been tremendous. Yeah. I mean, some of the questions haven't had too many answers, uh, I think, because a couple of them hit a little close to home. Like we asked one about how HR policies are changing. I think they're changing so fast, people don't even know how to answer it. Yeah. So what we instituted is, is we do, actually, instead of five questions a week, we do four. And then one of the days of the week, we do a roundtable. We have had 300 plus people on each of these roundtables. And then we summarize the answers we got to the questions and then ask people to throw stuff into the chat. And so then we've been taking that feedback and we've created a blog for each one of the questions. And it's just been, I mean, the amount of information we've had has been amazing. And some of the things that people are doing, the ideas that people have come up with have been great. Uh, One of the questions we're going to have, I think I'm probably going to post this today, is it's really easy to look internally at times like this. Some people are really looking externally. So there's one firm, for example, that got a bunch of volunteers within their firm and went through every single emergency first aid medical emergency kit they had in their physical offices because their kits had N95 masks in them. So they went through and pulled out every N95 mask they had and donated it to local first responders and local hospitals. That's fantastic. And I know there are organizations that are doing other things like that. So I think it would be uplifting to know what our members are doing, our business partners are doing to give back. 
the the response from our business partner community has also been tremendous. So yeah. we've made sure to post and seed these questions on the e-groups and, and listservs that they can belong to as well as, as the members. And so we've been able to benefit from their wisdom and they really have come forth. In fact, we set up a whole business partner resource page because they're coming forward with, hey, we have free resources about this and we're giving away this for three months to help people. And, and the response has just been great. Now, one of the things I know we're doing a lot with the online communities and we're moving some of the physical meetings around mm-hmm. to online. Now, coming up late in the summer is going to be your big Uh, annual conference. What are you planning at this point in preparing for that? Well, we have to plan for the best and plan for the worst at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So we're doing that. I mean, at this point, we're all systems go. We've got amazing support from our business partner community. We still have people putting in applications to speak, but we don't know what the world's going to look like. In August. I mean, I think that the the good news that's coming out is that we've been laughing internally that the day that Ilticon is scheduled to start is also the new rescheduled date of the Indy 500. (laughs) Um, So we think there's a lot of good parallels um, there for what we're doing. Um, The fact that the Democratic National Convention was moved to that week before and the Republican National Convention is staying in August. So, uh, and we know from talking to the hotel that because the Gaylord where we are, 95% of Gaylord business across their whole brand is conventions. It's just what they do. They do conferences and conventions. And right now, all the Gaylord properties are closed, all five of them, until the end of April. So there have been lots of events that have had to be canceled. And and I know that there are groups that are fighting over dates in August. (laughs) Yeah. So right now we're all systems go, but it would just be naive to say that we aren't thinking about what could happen if the, if the situation isn't much better. So we're planning for an amazing event. Everyone looks excited to be back together again, but we're also planning on what happens if the, the world situation, if the U.S. situation, the world situation can't permit us to go right, forward. Right. What do you think as this goes on might catch other professional associations or, or things you're looking out for? with this new work from home model as it continues for an extended period of time? Yeah, the association world, um, there's a group called ASAE, which is basically the ILTA for the association world. (laughs) The association for associations. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And and so I'm a a member and some of my staff of ASAE. And of course, I'm watching their e-groups and communities of interest very closely. I mean, the fact that we're a technology organization has really given us a leg up. I mean, there are a bunch of of associations that have never had any kind of remote working model. I mean, physical offices and no remote access, except maybe for very senior executives. So they're in an extremely disrupted mode. But I think that what all associations have in common is this kind of big dependence on in-person events is very common in the association industry. And so people whose events were in March, April, May, it's very, very challenging. So I think that what I'm seeing on the discussion boards, the things that will be kind of after, you know, after things settle down, there's a, a pretty general review of uh, hotel contracts going on, particularly on the force majeure uh, provisions. Uh, it was interesting. There was a contract I was looking at recently for something completely different. And there was no force majeure in it. And you could tell by the way the contract was numbered that it had right. just been pulled out, <laughs> you know, that this uh, 
this one particular provision had just been pulled out and they hadn't <laughs> corrected the numbering. So I thought that was quite funny. Wow. There's a lot of discussion in the insurance uh, markets about communicable disease insurance, particularly with respect to event cancellation and how that works. Right. So I think the big, and, and this is an opportunity for our law firms and corporate law departments too have to be thinking about this because one of the, one of the discussion points about force majeure, it, it, which is often also called an impossibility clause, right. is changing to what's called an impractability clause right? That it may not be impossible to hold an event, but it might be impractical due to travel restrictions or things like that. And so that's going to be a big change. I think there are also a lot of people who are just thinking about diversifying their revenue model and making it less dependent on on in-person events and having more other sources. Mm -hmm. Well, here's hoping for the best and preparing for the worst, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Uh, what do they say? Hope is not a strategy. Exactly. And uh, and I'm a very optimistic leader and we're a very optimistic organization and we're full steam ahead and everything we've got planned this year, but we're also not dumb. Right? Gotcha. gotcha. And so we're we're trying to make sure that we're that we're well prepared, whatever curveball is thrown at us today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joy. Well thank you again for taking the time to talk with sure, me. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Greg. Thanks again to Joy Heath Rush from ILTA for joining me today. Remember, we may all be in seclusion, but we're in this together. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at at Glambert. In Seclusion is produced by Janice Anderson. The music is from Jerry David DeSicca. I'll see you tomorrow.